You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hello and welcome back to the Quad Life Crisis. My name is Daryl. I'm Soraya. And on today's episode, we have a special guest, Rudy. Say hi. Hi. Hi, everyone. It's been quite a while since our last <sighs> episode. We know, we know. I think our last recording has been in December. So it feels really good to be back again. Today's topic, what are we going to be talking about, Soraya? Rudy has two um, special needs brothers. Mm. Who- well, one of them is autistic. The other one has microcephaly, which is a condition where the skull is slightly smaller than average. So the development of everything else is delayed as well. So basically, he can't walk. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I feel like it's such a heavy intro. Well, a lot of this podcast has to do with adjusting to life in your 20s and your 30s. And I think when we're at that age, we're like, woohoo, it's time to have fun, but also deal with responsibilities. But I think you have such a lot of responsibilities that are on a whole other level that, you know, that's why we wanted to bring you on and hear about the responsibilities you have to shoulder. And not just now, but even in the future. You know, growing up, my parents did an amazing job. I never felt like I was neglected or anything like that. And I think really you live with what you know. And I never really felt like, oh, this is something that's going to be beyond me when I get older. I kind of just grew up with it. So it's normal to Mm. me. right? Mm. So let's take a few steps back. Like how old are you? How old are your brothers? So I'm 26. The middle child is 24. His name's Mubin. He's autistic. And then the youngest is Ayman. He is 22. And like I said earlier, he can't walk. Uh, he also can't talk. Well, I think my, my first approach would be like, you know, growing up, having two younger siblings who who require special attention. Do you feel like throughout all these years, transitioning from, from you know, your school days to working adult, do you feel the responsibility or, or how is it like for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, when you're growing up with siblings, you have to make concessions, right? There's yeah, always yeah. like a compromise and stuff like that. So sometimes I would have to turn the other cheek and then my mom would get mad at me and I was like, but I didn't even do anything. I, one example that comes to mind is um, we used to buy Lego when we were younger, right? Yeah. So I had this Lego helicopter that was really cool and I built it out with my dad the night before. And then the next day, my brother had smashed it. Oh. <laughs> that's a massive compromise. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's exactly what a younger yeah. brother would do. Mm. And so anytime there's a difficulty with Mubin, especially, he has autism. He's, but he, I mean, he's mobile, right? So he can move around. He's very active. But yeah, there's always been like a sibling rivalry there. There's another anecdote. I mean... He's autistic, right? And the thing with people with autism, it's a spectrum, right? So Mm -hmm. some people are really high functioning and others are less so. Mm. He's somewhere in the middle. So he's nonverbal, which means he can't really talk. But you can see, I mean, there's something behind the eyes there. He's very smart. Mm -hmm. So an example I always think of and one my mom always tells me, um, when we were younger, I was about three and he was two. I used to want everything that he played with. Mm. In that classic sibling way, right? So if he was playing with like a robot, I would want it immediately. Yeah. And then he'd get really annoyed. And so what he did was he just kind of dropped the toy on the floor Mm -hmm. and then he walked away. And then I immediately lost interest in the toy. And oh. walked off. So he's like so smart like that. <laughs> yeah. Psychologically, he's a very like conniving kind of gunny kind of smart. <laughs> he is very tactile, right? So he likes to do things with his hands. 
Mm. Um, he loves baking. He actually is pretty good at it. He likes doing arts and crafts and things like that. How would you say your your uh, upbringing has been different compared to you know um, other families where where their siblings are you know normal rivalries and stuff like that? I think. I mean, like aside, you mentioned about all the compromises that it's like, you know, having two younger siblings that are like that. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's just normal, right? Yeah. Whether they're autistic or not, I feel like you still have compromises yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah. But like, how did how how would you describe um, your upbringing? It should be a different dynamic, lah. Yeah, I guess growing up, I always felt like I had to kind of look out for them, right? Mm. Because you think about uh, kids like that or adults like that, even they don't have a voice. Mm. Right. So tons of people that have these kind of disabilities that don't have anyone to represent them. Right. And having siblings like that kind of made me realize that, well, look, I have to help them because they're my blood, they're my family. Right. And mm-hmm. if I'm not helping my family, then what's the point of even having the family? So, you know, from a young age, I guess I kind of thought that way. And really, to my parents' credit, huge credit goes to them. They kind of taught me how to think like that. And I think growing up with siblings like that, also you learn how to empathize with people a lot more because the communication is not so verbal. So you kind of have to really stop and think and kind of put yourself in the other person's shoes. And to me, I consider that kind of a blessing because in terms of emotional maturity, at least I feel like I always had an advantage growing up mm. and, and it was kind of a blessing. So I, yes, there's a sense of responsibility, but there's also a bunch of stuff that I feel like if I had not had special needs brothers, I would never have picked up or developed, right? Right, okay. So, double-edged sword, you know. But just to go back to what you said about, you know, having empathy um, and being able to put yourself in the shoes of someone else, you know, because I'm just trying to picture someone in your position who would not have been maybe so receptive or so understanding. You know, what if you were a rebel who was like, no, I, I know that, you know, you my par- as my parents, you want me to look after my brothers, but I, I, I can't deal with this quote-unquote burden. I don't want to deal with it. So how how much of that was your parents really moulding you from a young age to have that empathy? How much of it is your personality? Did you at any point go, you know, I, I don't want to deal with this responsibility. Why me? Well, I mean, that's really a timely question because <laughs> I feel like I've been having those kind of moments more recently. Ooh, <laughs> okay. Ooh, it um, sounds like, a, are you going through a, a quarter life crisis of your own? <laughs> What's the name of the show again? Jeez, <laughs> oh, I don't know, Daryl. Do you remember the name of our show? <laughs> no um, clue what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I think those kind of issues that you describe have come more to the fore when you get older, right? So when you start thinking about living a separate life, when you start thinking about, oh, I want to move out, I want to find a partner, you know, I want to have my own life and things like that. Yes, I mean, there are times when I'm frustrated, right? But, you know, besides having great parents, I think the other thing that's really helped me deal with that is, quite frankly, we're lucky enough to have the resources to cope with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, a lot of families in this country, especially, or, you know, other places too, but a lot of people don't have the means to kind of cope with this stuff. Mm. And there's not a lot of public programs, yes, but even the private ones are kind of expensive. And you always hear cases of people sending their disabled children uh, back to the kampong to live with their other relatives, not because they don't love their children, but they can't afford to look after them, right? Mm-hmm. And and they have to go out and work and they can't be at home to look after them. Right. You know, so really, yes, I have those moments, but we're lucky enough to 
kind of have the means to cope with it, right? We we can afford like the best food, the best treatment. So yeah, I am kind of lucky enough to be in that position where I can handle it, right? It, it's easier to manage because of those things. What was it like when you were younger? Can you maybe take us through some anecdotes or examples of how exactly your parents taught you that you would have to be the one looking out for your brothers? Or was it just so natural? It was just very organic because you you all hung out together and, you know, naturally as the elder sibling, you just took on that responsibility on your own. No one had to really tell you mm. to look yeah. out for that. Uh, I think, yeah, something you said just now, the fact that we hung out a lot. I don't know if this is the same with other families, but maybe because my brothers, they had those conditions, our parents actually spent a lot of time with us. So not just with my younger brothers, but like as a group and... Really growing up, I spent a lot of time with my parents, right? Mm. So my sense of humor, how I view things, you know, all my like peculiar cynicisms, I've picked up from my parents really. (laughs) right? I mean, just an example, right? Maybe people can relate to this. If I ever wanted to watch a Disney movie, uh, because I was hanging out with my parents so much, they would just be like, oh, you don't want to watch this. Let's watch like HBO. (laughs) 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 Then what would you watch? Six Feet Under? (laughs) Because my parents are watching that on HBO. I was like, what is this? Oh, it's about morticians. Wait. No, yeah. Like, I would like, Dad, this is scary. Like, I don't want to see the guy shoot the other guy. (laughs) Ah, it's fine. Just like, it's cool. It's cool. Just watch it. Right. But I think I'm going to ask you this straight up. I don't know how to put it. But like, uh, I like women. Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Um, At any point, I I know you, you touch about you know, having to start thinking about starting a family, moving out the house and all. With, with all this in mind, do you think you're able to do those things at any point? Maybe Start a family, that. move out, look for someone who is able to accommodate to all of this. Look, look for a partner that's like, yeah. going to be okay with this. Yeah, I mean, is it not a challenge to find someone who will be able to understand the fact that you are going to have to look out for your brothers for the rest of your life yeah. and be okay with that? I mean, are you worried about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a great question. I think, um, like, if we're being totally honest, um, sometimes I feel like that's not a possibility. Um, Sometimes I think maybe it's easier if I didn't have kids, right? Mm. And whatever happens, I think I'll be okay with it. I'm not too concerned that I might not be able to start my own family. Yeah, And, you know, I I really don't know how the future is going to pan out, but I have prepared myself for a kind of unorthodox life, right? So I'm not... You're not wedded to the idea of a wedding. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just just wanted to use it. Waiting to let it go. That's good. Sorry, guys. I just had to... No, and and, and the funny part was I'm looking and she's just waiting. (laughs) Just waiting. waiting. Like, okay, okay, okay. Okay, please keep quiet. Okay, okay, okay. Time to do it again. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. (laughs) No, that was perfect. I mean, look... I really do view it that way, right? I I always fear that if I feel too deeply about it or Mm. if I feel very gloom and doom about it, it's going to overtake me. Yeah. So my approach to life is very kind of, you really don't have a lot of control over a lot of stuff. So yes, you can have your goals, but be flexible enough to understand that, look, whatever happens, as long as you can live with it, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Happiness is an inner journey and all that, but that's actually kind of true, no? I feel, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a process. It's a process, right? Living with my brothers, I feel has kind of made me 
more okay with that. Mm. And like, did did your parents at any point like you know speak to you about about how it's how life is going to be like for you? Um, did they ever say like you growing up your twenties and thirties is is it going to be real tough because you know you've got your siblings you're not going to be here for a long time or oh, things yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, like how did they angle it? Like, yeah, how, how, did, how did they you know break it? To you? It's not an easy thing to tell. Yeah, I mean, other uh, parents worry are you how to tell them about sex, and your parents are just like how to tell him that he's going to have to become the caretaker of this family. Yeah, oh, just that you know, as an aside at dinner, like Rudy, you get a good job and you get a lot of pay. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> how did they? I mean, was that really how they had that conversation? No, I mean. <laughs> You know, they've always said like, it's never been like a direct conversation. It's always been like implicit where it's like, you should do the right thing. You should take care of other people. You should take care of your brothers, right? Because it's the right thing to do. And um, really, I kind of forced the issue more recently, right? By saying that, I don't know if I'm going to make enough money to like support Mubin and Ayman in perpetuity, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. But they kind of sat me down and said, you know, Rudy, it's not all your responsibility. It's also our responsibility, right? Mm. Like, we recognize that you were born into this. And it's not fair of us to expect you to take care of everything. So in the time that we're here, we're going to do as much as possible to, you know, ease that burden for you. And again, I come back to the point of, I, I recognize that I have a lot of privilege, right? Where... I am going to be comfortable enough and I'm going to have enough means to actually help them later on, which is, I would say, you know, 95% of people, they can't say that. Yeah. Going back to um, relationships, have you met anyone who is comfortable enough with you and your siblings and knowing that, you know, the future is going to be like this? Have you met or have you met people who are like, oh, no, I can't deal with this? Yeah. Who to, who once they heard yeah. about your, your family and yeah. your brothers were like, okay, well... Yeah, I'm not oh, I'm not for it. Well, okay, in my personal life, I've been fortunate enough where there hasn't been an issue. Um, that hasn't been an issue? Yeah, there hasn't been an issue. Okay. I mean, oh, okay. Most of the time, whoever I was with or my partner or whatever, most people are like really sweet and generous and kind, right? So it's it's not really been an issue. But even if they did say that, I, I always think like, well, you know what? That's totally reasonable because that's a lot to take on, right? I mean, yeah. if you're going to marry into that, you imagine that's a lot to take on, especially if you want to start your own family and things like that. Yeah. And I guess, you know, going back to your question earlier, Daryl, about like, have I ever thought about what's the future going to be like and things like that right and how do i reconcile myself to that in that regard i feel like i've kind of become okay with the idea that it's a huge ask of people to kind of marry into this so i'm not going to be too upset right if people say they can't handle it because it is difficult so so you mentioned several people uh i guess it hasn't panned out with everyone with anyone sorry PNC okay PNC but, <laughs> I mean that had a follow up question which is that so okay you do meet the person that you want to marry let's say I know I know you're not wedded to the wedding and you're not you're not um, you're, you've kind of let go of the need yeah, and to, to be married. So just to add to that, mm. I think my parents are pretty chill about it too, which okay. also helps, right? Yes, that's mm. important. Mm. So they're not gonna like, hey, Rudy, you better find somebody. They're not. Well, they're not like you uh, know, sometimes they like Rudy. When you get married, we're gonna do it like this, okay? But <laughs> they've always come out and said, "Hey, no pressure. You take your time." We understand it's a difficult situation. No worries. Like, you do. Well, I mean, the follow-up to that, I, I guess this is a very premature question because you're not presented <laughs> with this situation just yet. But have you, I'm sure you've given this some thought. What is it going to be like if you are married and you you want you do want to start a family? How will you juggle 
all these different elements. Yeah. Mm. So the ideal answer is my mom's always like, Rudy, when you get married, you have lots of children, then they can help look after your brothers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. And then when you build a house, you can build a big house so that there's an east wing and a west wing. <laughs> and we'll live in the west wing and you can live in the it's east so wing. Practical. <laughs> I'm like, mom, what are you talking about? I'm not going to be the president, right? But, um, you know, I joke about that, but like, I'd probably have to live close by. I'd probably have to live in close quarters. But as you get older, not just me, even my parents are realizing that they kind of need their own space too. Yep. Now they're going on 60, right? They're in their mid 50s. And it's like, it's hard. I mean, my brother Mubin, he's a physical guy. He likes to run. He likes to jump. He likes to exercise. Sometimes when he gets upset, he can be a little violent, right? He can break stuff. And that's difficult for people who are, you know, getting on in age, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of living together, yes, we should live together. But I imagine, you know, an, an ideal situation would be we'd have like a big house and there really would be wings, something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. But really, I guess in terms of imagining that, I would imagine I'd have to live close by. Mm. I'd have to have a partner who's understanding and... Lots of that's peeps. that's Lots about yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah no no I don't know about that <laughs> I don't know if I can afford that mom like Multiple. yeah the, phys the physical labor is good but like it's expensive you know that's right it's all good when they're helping you look after your siblings but not when they go to university yeah well, who's gonna help you then no no um, <laughs> so I. I guess I was especially curious to hear Rudy's perspective mm. because I have first cousins who... Uh, so there's three of them, right? There's a, a girl, a boy, and then the youngest boy yeah. has a learning disability. Mm. Is he verbal? Is he is. He he's super verbal. So he's extremely chatty and everyone knows he's the life of the party. Um, he is about 29, but he has the educational earth. capacity of maybe someone who's... 12 like he's very very chatty but you know you know that it's not going to be a 29 year old conversation yeah so he has two elder siblings and I, I've always seen them always looking out for him their entire lives and it's almost because of that that their bond is so much closer right uh, like I'm close with my brother don't get me wrong but like we were like okay lah, you do your thing I do mine and then see you at dinner you know and I know you have a younger sister yeah as well, I have a younger though. sister too I mean like I, I feel I feel responsible for her. Like, you know, if you need anything, let me know. But mm. like, I, I won't like, you know, reach out like, yeah, hey, how are you? <laughs> like, you do you, you do you. When you get in trouble, let me know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the way you talk about your sister, like if we're being brutally honest, yeah. sometimes I fantasize about having that kind of relationship with my siblings, mm. right? The, the question of like having your own life and doing your own thing becomes more relevant when you're about 25. Right. Yeah. And I, I've been struggling with that. You know, mm. I, it, it is a struggle. Like I'm not, it's not all hunkery dory with our family, right? So mm. I, I definitely think about that kind of thing. And yes, you know, I, I really want to involve Mubin and Ayman in my life. But sometimes it's like, can I just go up to my room and sit there and do my own thing for a while? Or, you know, do I have to socialize with everyone? Mm. Yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah. So having been living your 20s and stuff like that, naturally, uh, people in their 20s, you know, like, so I said, you know, to be happy, to experience life, to go out clubbing, to, to go out for, you know, Friday sessions and things like that. <laughs> but has your situation actually affected the way you, you lived your 20s? Has it come to a point where, like, hey, it's like, Hey bro, come come go chill. And then it's like, oh no, I've got to watch my brothers all the time. Or is, is it is it something like that for you? Or? Well, there have been occasions where, yes, I've had to say something like that, where it's like, oh, I can't make it. Um, I got to look after my bros. But again, my parents are really amazing. And mm. I think they've done their best to kind of allow me to 
do normal things like that mm. without uh, really feeling like I'm neglecting anyone. So no, man. I mean, I've had a great time. Yeah, <laughs> in my twenties. Like, I've definitely lived the life of a twenty-year-old. Mm. Again, that's why I'm able to manage it because I've had fun and I, I continue to have fun. So, yeah. I guess, Rudy, you know, if someone was in your position and is struggling, mm. not everyone is as accepting and empathetic as you. So what would your advice to them be? I'll start by saying it's really hard to pass judgment on people that have a difficult time. Yeah. Because it is difficult. So I guess really the only advice I can give is like, hey, be patient and be open-minded. And it's really all about rolling with the punches and kind of accepting that, well, things are different, but not necessarily wrong or worse. Or, it's just different. It's just different. I mean, all, all families always have these kind of quirks. But people have their problems, There's right? never an ideal. Yeah, I was just thinking about um, what you said about how every family has their yeah. own quirks and issues. Yeah, like, I mean, you guys, how do you deal with family issues? Ooh. <laughs> For me, I think, I mean, after everything that you've been saying, it's, it'll sound really ignorant what I'm going to say right now. <laughs> I moved out of Thurumbai. No, but I think in my situation, it's it's really simple. I mean, like, for me, like, whenever, you know, when I go back home, if I feel like something's a bit off, ah, okay, no, man, I'm just going to go back to KL. I'm going to get back to work and I'm just going to spend time here. It's, it's as easy as that. Or, like, I'll go back for a weekend and then the moment things get heated, ah, I'll just go out and see my friends or something like that. It's, it's something as simple as that. Lah. Like, I do that too, man. Like, I try and escape from the house. Yeah. Sure. I mean, if there's tensions with your sibling, there's tensions with my parent, with my parents. I, yeah, I I still have that kind of, those kind of moments, right? Like, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, I think I do the same. I mean, uh, <laughs> my family's at all kinds of conflict because I think we're a very emotional, very dramatic family and everyone sort of has this thing of woe is me. I, I noticed that all of us, all my, my mom, my dad, my brother, myself, we all have this, well, if something goes wrong, it's, oh, it's my fault. And we immediately blame ourselves as a way of lashing out at others, at oh. other members of the family. I don't know what that so is. So it's like a little bit of sarcasm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like mart- martyrdom? Yes, it, we're all, oh, uh, you know, you guys had a bad time because it's my fault and it's yeah. so it's so stupid i mean really especially rudy after this entire conversation with you i'm like hey, you're so embarrassing hey, that, <laughs> i still do that stuff too. <laughs> again like you know you think yeah i'm not you're not a saint i'm not a saint <laughs> really right yeah i don't take the high ground on <laughs> <laughs> i guess we all try as best as we can to take your advice be, be patient be open-minded and everyone has their problems <laughs> <laughs> like, don't compare good yourself. job well done <laughs> <laughs> well uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much Rudy for joining us and no um, we've been friends but I we've never really talked about this and I just appreciate you being able to share this with not just me but Daryl someone too. you just met thank you so much today. hey no worries guys <laughs> I hope uh, your listeners can take something from it well not just them I think we both yeah. oh well, thanks guys <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a hallmark uh, moment <laughs> Thanks again, Rudy. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, it's still being done by Nidusmas. And if you want to look him up on Instagram, you can find him. Nidusmas Music. Nidusmas is Samsudin backwards. That's it from us on this episode. My name is Daryl. I'm Soraya. I'm Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.